Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Ramblings of a Saint podcast. I'm your host Johnny Lou and you can find me on Twitter at RamblingSaint7. You can find me also on Twitter with my private account at JohnLou13. And on today's episode I will be talking a little bit about a preview to the Saints versus Huddersfield game. And today's episode is mainly going to be based um after that on my thoughts on the IMG um IMG's new involvement in rugby league and why I think it's going to be a great thing for our sport um and I'm also going to talk a little bit about how we can maybe in like we've we've underutilized a lot of um stuff over here on this side of the world when it comes to rugby league to bring over more talent from Australia, both in the refereeing department, well, especially in the refereeing department, and also in the playing department as well. So I'll be going into more detail about that later. Um, you'll probably just see me wittering on and hearing me wittering on, but that's why you're listening it. You listen to my rants. So let's get straight in to St. Helens versus Huddersfield. I'm only doing the one preview today because I'm going to probably do... Uh, a further one later down the line for the rest of the fixtures and let's face it, it's a Saints podcast so I do what I want so obviously St. Ellen's um, on the back of two straight defeats which hasn't happened since obviously we played that weakened team against Wakefield last year um, and obviously lost to Wigan the week before with a near full strength team uh, as compared to injuries go so it was um I don't class that as two straight feats, but it was a bit a uh, bit of an iffy one. Obviously, last week um, attack was very clunky. It wasn't seem to be very f- didn't seem to be very fluid, or as fluid as you know we'd been the past couple of seasons. Um, but yeah, we came back strong with a win. That's all we had to do. Uh, Hull FC played amazing in that game, as I stated in my previous podcast. And yeah, I just think um, I think this game will be a big test because Huddersfield uh, they've got a very good squad on paper, very good squad. I think I ranked it on paper third best squad um, in the league. They've obviously got Jake Connor returning this week. That that to me is a a good thing for Saints because there's no Theo Farge next to him. And I feel like Jake Connor is a player who can lose his head and he can create things. He's got loads of talent, but he's never really lived up to the potential of that talent, mainly due to his attitude. Um, and for every good thing he does, he tends to do a bad thing. And his defence is shocking. So if he does play, I've no doubt he'll play six more than likely with the um, Tui Lola here obviously playing sensational at fullback. And if he does partner Ollie Russell, I think that's not the best six and seven partnership. So I think I think Saints should be all right in this game. Um, but they have got a lot of workhorses with the likes of Nathan Peets. I really rate him at nine um, for the Super League. And obviously Luke Yates is just he he just he does everything, doesn't he? Does everything you want in a forward, and I think he's one of the standout props slash 13s that you can want in Super League 
So, yeah. Uh, and obviously, it's the return of Kevin Nagama against his former club. So, that'll be quite interesting. Might put a cheeky little anytime bet on him because, you know, whenever players come up against their old team, they tend to score, don't they? Especially nowadays. So, that might be one to look out for. Um, and obviously, Saints have couple returning from suspensions obviously Syrenham returning against Hull FC which was great news for us and we've also got the return of Metautia and um, Hurrell as well back in the squad which is massive for us because as we all know they are a big part of how we play, got the wrecking ball Hurrell, the Hurrell cane over on that right hand side so he will he, he'll give us another strike option um, in the attack, which is great, great for us. Uh, the spine remains the same. We're obviously without Knowles due to his um, suspension, but I've no doubt that you know Jimmy Bell will slot in there, and it will uh, it will all come good. I'm pretty certain of that. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited for this game. Um, I predicted Saints by eight. And we'll we'll see how that goes, but I just think we'll, you know, as as much as our attack's clunky, Hull, Huddersfield's attack, look, they haven't quite come out swinging yet. Um, I'm waiting for them to come out and start performing. Um, I think Isam Masters is a pretty average signing. Um, so knowing I've just said that he probably will score tomorrow so <laughs> it's one of them innit it's like I, I I just can't see I just can't see Saints losing tomorrow I really can't Um, I think we will be too strong and I think we will come out all guns firing I think I think we have to at some point this season I think there's a lot of people writing us off already and I, I I just laugh at them I just laugh at them because you never ever write off the Saints you never do and I don't know how or why they think that they wrote us off back in 2020 when Wolf lost his first five games you know four being in the league and one being the World Cup Challenge which we was a drop Tommy Mack ball away from winning in my opinion of that game so you know they they thought we were done and dusted then they think we're done and dusted now. I just can't see it. We've still got a great team um, ahead of us. Should we have recruited more? Possibly. But, you know, I, I've still got every confidence in this team. And obviously, Will Hopawati's back. Um, put request a bet in to play 40-plus minutes. I'm joking, of course. He, um, his ability is massive for us. Um, and I think he gets into any team in Super League. He gets into some teams in the NRL for his ability-wise. We just haven't seen it enough. Uh, you know, there's that stat that he's not lost a game for Saints that he's played, you know. But he's only played 13 of them. So is that a great stat? No, probably not. So he's just got to get a few minutes under him. I think... You know, he's in his final year of his contract. Saints have the option to extend. I think he's got to really play from now until the end of the season to justify getting a contract. So he's really got to be putting in the work off-field to stay fit and on-field to, well, 
hopefully his body doesn't give up on him and hopefully he does get to string a few good performances in because I'm really looking forward to well I have been looking forward to seeing him play a run and a consistent run at that I mean we've seen it in the World Cup Challenge how vital he can be we've seen it in the Grand Final how vital he can be for us we've seen him on a Magic Weekend that was probably the best game I've seen him play in a Saints shirt I thought he was man of the match that day and we need him to start getting that run inside I think he will start centre um, or wing maybe over Benison and and we because I think he will play minutes this week, so um, we might end up seeing a back five of Wellsby, Tommy Mack, Hurrell, Percival, and Hopawati, or Percival might just not pass fit, and they might have Hopawati, Hurrell at centres with Benison and Makinson on the wing. We'll see, we'll see when that team sheet comes out. But I'm looking forward to the game. Um. And hopefully, hopefully we put in a good performance. So, now we're talking about the main bit of the podcast. This is the bit that hopefully a lot of people will listen to and listen to with an open mind. Um, Because there's a lot of people in rugby league quarters that don't like having an open mind when it comes to change. And especially when that change is to do with structure, to do with the future of the sport, and to do with scrapping promotion and relegation. Scrapping promotion and relegation is the best thing our sport ever did. That was back in 2005 when they announced the plans for the 2009 season. Right, so this was a four year plan they had four year plan for Super League to get rid of promotion and relegation to reassure our finances to have every club getting enough Sky money to cover the full salary cap so there was no excuses to not spend the full cap they then introduced the extra teams so Celtic Crusaders came in and I think the other team was Salford if I remember rightly they came in it was a 14 team comp every single team got enough to cover the full salary cap you had I think you had teams also being told you have to have a new stadium so they all had a grade A license grade 1 license but it was under the guise of you need a new stadium you need this, you need that. The criteria was set, you know, it needs to be modern day. Saints, Widness, all got their new stadium sorted. They all got them sorted. Salford got theirs sorted. Castleford, Wakefield, they are still playing in the same ground they had back in the day. That was condemned, that was said it wasn't good enough. Now, can you see a common theme there? Uh, I believe Bradford also got told as well. So, can you see a common theme there? The Lancashire clubs got off their ass, got extra funding, got sponsors from the council, went to businesses, do you want to fund this? You know, we went to Tesco. Uh, Warrington obviously had their stadium sorted a few years before. 
We went to Tesco. We went pitching business ideas. We got that extra funding. We built our stadium. Windus, obviously, I think Leasters. But same thing. They got a new stadium. Uh, Salford's, obviously, half council and half something else. But now the council are finally... Um, finally, you know, buying the stadium. So we've got Salford with a new stadium at that point. So, yeah. Um, all Lancashire clubs got off their asses and went and got a stadium. All the Yorkshire clubs were too busy fighting with their own councils. They were fighting with their own councils because the councils told them, look, you can't have these plans, but you can have these plans. No, we don't want that. Right back to the drawing board they've wasted so much money on planning permission it's unbelievable um it's similar to what the west tigers have in sydney with the leichardt oval they got told by the council look you can't have it that way but you can have it this way and they were just like nah 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 we don't want it that way we don't want it we, we want it this way and the plans keep getting rejected similar situation over here so you have them clubs not spending the salary cap at that point in time and saving all that money saving all that money to well to line their own pockets and keep them afloat so not bothering going getting extra funding basically so you have a sport there that should have been proactive in its ownership and running of the competition you had the rfl try and micromanage every single club mainly the yorkshire clubs by the way um because you know the lancashire clubs went like I said before, and did what they had to do. So, you then have problems. You have the Celtic Crusaders that was kind of shuffled in, and I feel kind of sorry for them, because um, it kind of was never going to work, really. So, yes, yeah, so you had that period, and then obviously they went bust, and then they brought Witness into it in 2011. So, 2009, and they scrapped it in... I think just yeah I think they ran ran it for four years four years of this you are not going to see results from not having promotion and relegation in four years you are not you are not going to it was poorly ran poorly managed by the RFL everything about it was so I see a lot of things online comparing that point in time to this. Why are we repeating the same mistakes? We're not. We're not repeating the same mistakes. Because the RFL won't massively have a say in how them changes are. Obviously there'll be votes, there'll be that, but they have to kind of go with what IMG suggests. IMG are taking a bulk of that control away from the RFL. They are on a profit share scheme, which means they don't get paid for this unless it makes money. And then they take a percentage of it. That is the best thing we could possibly do. Because it means they're not getting a set fee right now. They have to make it work. And the RFL have to listen to them because right now, Rugby League is in an absolute hole. It is. Simple as. You've even got chairmans coming out and going, if we kind of don't do something now, we'll be part-time. All the fans can see it. 
bar probably three clubs. You know, you, you well four probably with the high investment that their owners put in. Uh, you could potentially add a lead to that, so maybe five wouldn't go part time because of the amount they're being bankrolled by external finances. Um, they're the big clubs, of course, the Saints, Leeds, Wigan, Warrington, and um, well, like I say, we'll add, add lead to it, but you can add Catalan as well. So you've got you've got rugby leagues in a position where it needs this change. It needs IMG. It needs the external thoughts of other people. As soon as they announced getting rid of promotion and relegation, people still think we're making the same mistakes. We're not. Getting rid of promotion and relegation was the right thing to do. The Super 8 set us back 15 years. More than likely, really, because of how confusing it was. They even put a video out trying to explain the Super 8s, and it was made it more confusing. Uh, and... <laughs> It it really frustrates me how fans nowadays can't see that there is a way out. There is a way out. There is a way to build rugby league. We know it's a beautiful sport. It's just been poorly run and poorly organised. So, here are my points for it. We need them. And they need us. Because they need us to make money. Simple as. So... I personally am fed up with the short-term thinking of the governing body. You know, we need a long-term vision for the sport. This is why this 12-year plan is better than we'll scrap it after three, four years, which is what we have been doing for the past 20 years. (laughs) So, you know, we've always given something three or four years and that's it. They're on about introducing a minimum salary cap spend, and that is vital because of what I said previously, that clubs weren't spending the full cap on players. You don't see that in the NRL. They have a salary cap and they gain the money, obviously, from the TV rights that pays for the full salary cap like we used to have, plus a bit extra for profit. So every club in the NRL is in profit before even a ball is kicked. They also have external um, income in the NRL. So they have league clubs, which are basically big casinos that every single club has uh they have multiple as well so that makes them money um they have their own bars that people go to before games like the panthers club that saints fans would have seen before the world club challenge and it's just it's a long-term vision and that's it long-term vision and telling you look you have to spend this amount on players look at wakefield squad now wakefield squad's atrocious because they don't spend the full cap but it's not even like they don't spend near the cap they don't spend it at all like because they can't because they haven't been proactive in the 26 years of them well no because they have been relegated a couple of times what 20 years plus of them being in super league they haven't been proactive enough to think forward it's like castleford as well castleford squad is all over 30 near enough i think they've got what 13 players over 30 out of the 17 the other week that that again shouldn't be happening so you've, you've got to the clubs have to take responsibility and this is what IMG are doing they're giving them the criteria that they want to see 
So you as a club have to get up off your ass and go make it happen. Wakefield have realised this. You know, Hulky, I realised it two years ago. When he took the club off for sale, he got extra investment involved and more money, men. He's gone doing it. And look at Hulky now. They've got an outstanding squad. The problem is the depth of the squad. But they have exactly that. Like, they've fought in every game that they've been in this year. And I think they will be top six by the end of the year. But they're doing everything right. They have bands on before every game. You know, they they promote it in the region of Hull. They, they're, they're doing a lot because they realise that actually we can make money out of this sport in the long term. It's, it needs that. And the sport can grow if the quality is better on field. On field at the minute. I'm not messing. If you're trying to attract new fans. And you've got games like that Leeds versus Castleford game last Thursday. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're not going to entice them. You're not going to do that. Because they're going to watch that game and go. Bloody hell they're knocking on every single thing. It's not even raining. It's not even raining and rocking on. It It was so slow. The referee was blowing his whistle every minute. Just because of the poor quality of the sport at the minute in this country. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of quality. There is a lot of quality over here. But the problem is... It's not on the grand scheme of what it can be. You know, and this is what annoys me. You know... And I think one thing that drags it back now, especially, is the fact that, you know, it's Super League. What about the women's Super League in football? That has now taken over, really, in people's minds. The Super League of football, not only in the women's game, like I was on about the women's Super League, but when they put that you know, proposed plan of the massive super clubs in the Super League with Man United with the top six and all that. It was it was like but rugby league didn't even jump on that bandwagon when it was happening with Super League. Everyone was tweeting at Super League and there was not one repost, meme, nothing. It's like everything is stuck in the dark days with Everything Super League and the RFL do. They don't, they're never proactive. They never get involved with the fans online. That, to me, is one thing where we can grow the sport by not taking the mickey, but by joining in on gags. You've got clubs need to be more interactive with fans. You've got things that are just all over the place in rugby league nothing's ever proactive and i think this is the one time img has finally got into a lot of clubs heads that you need to be proactive you need to plan and then you've got teams like keithley handing out black and white papers going oh we can't have the end of promotion and relegation what have we done with promotion and relegation what have you guys done tell me Tell me one good story that has happened with promotion and relegation. Please do. As in, in rugby league. Not on about in football. 
well, just millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds. I'm on about rugby league. Well, there's there's some millions, but on the whole, it's nowhere near in comparison. I want a story where it doesn't end in tears. Lee might be that story, but why is that? Because the owner has finally realised that he can't starve the club anymore. He's got to put his money in. He's got to put his money in because, after all, he did nearly liquidate them. So, you know, it's one of them. Clubs have to take responsibility, and that's what they're doing. I really think IMG have got... I've been proactive in the TV deal. One of the things that's hindered us is the fact that the Premier League rights aren't sorted out yet, which is massive, because you don't want to go into negotiations while, let's face it, they're all concentrating on the Premier League it's the biggest league in the biggest sport in the world. You don't want to do that. You don't want to touch that yet. So that'll all be sorted probably by the end of next month, definitely. So hopefully we can then get sorted and... They've already in contact with them. They've they've said that in a statement. They've put business models and business plans into them and what they think and the future for the sport and how they think we can do it and how we think we can grow as a sport, which is massive, massive for us. And I think one thing that they really realised, that the RFL realised years ago, but they never executed well. They never did. They never gave it the proper support, and that's London. London is a focal sport, a focal point for our sport. It is, and I don't give a one flying toss about you flat cappers that go, we've tried it in London, we can't do it, we can't do it, it never works, it's a rugby union base, blah, 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 blah. bullshit. Right? If you can't grow a sport where there's nearly 10 million people in its surrounding area, then it's not been done well. Because there's no other way. There's no other way to put it. It's not been done well. They've now got a base camp with the London Broncos in Wimbledon for the next seven years, I believe. I believe they've got a 10-year lease. That's perfect they finally got a proper home ground they've got a good rapport with the football club not only that right at this minute rugby union is in an absolute mess no other way to put it both from the amateur game with the new rules that they put in there's people becoming disillusioned with the sport right we need to target the community growth and community leagues in and around london northampton oxfordshire we need to set up some clubs with funding we got that national lottery funding that needs to really let's face it bulk of the money needs to go down to london in my opinion set it up at grassroots and tell them people at the rugby union clubs look uh you know you know you can't tackle above the waist well if you want some proper action here's your local club and it's rugby league you'll love it you run into each other 100 miles an hour you can tackle above the waist not above the head you know and then get them into it. Slowly introduce it to them. You know, people have this idea that, you know, oh, rugby league, it's been hard done to over the years. It has. But it's time to step up. It's not time to sit back. It's not time to mope, cry in the corner because we've done that for a hundred and odd years. It's time to get up off our asses and finally do something about the sport, about the way it is. Because the RFL have done feck all for the past. Well, 
50, 60 years. They've been round there with the hands in the pockets going, oh, I really wish we could do something about this. They can do something. They can. They always could. They've proven not to because guess what? It's the mates. It's the mate sports. It's a job for the lads. It's the most Tory-run, working-class sport in the world. It's a job for the boys. We see that with every new RFL chairman. We see it. We've seen it with this one. How is it that a worldwide search can be the best man for the job is in the office next door? It's a load of bullshit. That's all it is. If Carl Pilkington was here, he'd be flying in the room at every RFL meeting going bullshit. They can't even pay for the bill for the meal. They booked a table at an eatery in Manchester. Didn't pay it for over three months. That was a Christmas due. The place in question had to tweet the RFL. Tweet them. Yep. Had to tweet them to ask for their money. The tweet read, this was from Grub, Manchester, at the RFL. Hello, you folks hired our space out but haven't paid your invoice with no explanation and it's now three months overdue. I've been promised that it will be paid more than once. Who else can I speak to? A follow-up tweet. Late last night, at the RFL, all paid up now, cheers. That is an embarrassment. That is the people running our sport. They can't even pay for the bloody meal. They can't do anything right. And this is why we need IMG. We need someone to come in with the belt off and going, right, it's time you guys learn a lesson and tell them how to do. You know, the TV deals are vital for our sport and we've been so poor with them you know the fact that we gave sky soul rights to the sport is a joke when they only ever heard a couple of games it's a joke you know we should be going to itv channel 4 like we did last year we should be going to obviously the bbc do you, do you want a couple of games we should be even the biggest idea i think we could possibly do is to get our hands in our pockets by that we don't even need to we can use the fans money again if i was the rfl and img i'd be looking at setting up a streaming thing on a streaming platform kind of thing like watch nrl but utilizing the hour league app right say seven quid a month 6.99 a month you get extended highlights of every game. That's like, you know, 40, 50 minute highlights of every game afterwards. You get one game a week or one game a month even televised on our league. And I would have a chat show, a bit like Boots and All. And I'd do it off my own back, right, for the hour league fans. Run it for a year, trial it, see how it goes, see what the viewing figures are. And then you can flog that to other TV networks. You can. You can do that. I'm sure Sky would do it. Something like Soccer AM, something like Matty, the Matty Johns show, the footy show over in Australia. You know, I know the footy show's finished now, but something like that. Or post-game analysis, extended post-game analysis for viewers. You know, it's there's so much they can do, and they just don't do it it's simple simple stuff and the fact that me who hasn't even got a media degree i've got a media a level but 
I can come up with ideas like this and, you know, anyone can. You go on Twitter and there's great ideas going about and these people are paid hundreds of thousands a year. The top brass is there. And it's like, it's a joke. And the, and then you've got, on the other flip side, people, they had a marketing manager or something like that job up for sale. And it was something like 30000 a year salary um, based in Manchester. And I think the actual job itself averages, the job title itself averages a wage of between fifty and 80000 in the UK. So it's like, you're under marketing underselling a role to people and you're trying to get the best people in for a job and yet you can't pay them the right wages to entice them over to you so it's like you're just not going to get anywhere like that you're just not going to do it so yeah so that's my thoughts on what img can do when it comes to the league and what i think that we need to really look into as a sport and I think clubs really need to get a grip, as as I've just said. And, you know, there's a lot of clubs that are out there doing it, which is great. Uh, you see it with York, especially. They look like, you know, they're really going for it. Um, especially with the women's team, which, by the way, is the best rebrand I think I've ever seen. The York City Valkyries. What a name that is. What a badge as well. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely unreal. So I've I've just got full props for teams like that that are in the lower leagues going, actually, you know what, we need to change. Keithley, you know, they've put some money in this year. They've, they've recruited well, but, you know, they do too much moaning. They need to roll the sleeves up and go, actually, this is what we can do. This is what's going to happen, so let's do it, rather than moaning, printing out in black and white and not even colour, which sums up the club in general, doesn't it? Exactly. So, you know, I, I get quite passionate about this because I feel like our sport's dying and I think they just aren't doing it enough, the RFL, and haven't done for years. So this is, like, my thing of it. And another thing I think we don't utilise to get the best out of referees, we've got a refereeing shortage at the minute um, over on our shores. We've got one Kiwi ref who just got promoted last at back end of last year. He refereed Saints and Toulouse was his first game in Super League, and I think he's he does mainly touch judging, but he has refed a couple of uh, games. I can't remember his name, um, but yeah. So you know, I've, we can just utilize the Aussies. The New South Wales Cup, the Jersey Flag Cup, the Queensland Cup, all lower leagues of the NRL they've got a lot of their own referees part time um, who are a very very good standard of referee they're waiting for the big NRL break but it's very competitive over there very competitive so why aren't we sending someone over why aren't we sending someone over to talk to them talk to Queensland New South Wales Cup and going anyone interested in coming over to England to referee full time you know um, obviously, give them a few championship games as a trial, see how they go, etc. Um, or ask them to recommend anyone. Simple, really. Simple stuff. You've got good quality referees over there not getting their break. Why don't you go come over to Super League for a couple of years? Then off you go. Go back over there if you want. And then we'll just have a continuous cycle, fresh cycle of their referees while we 
get ours to a better standard. And we can use Europe. Every Aussie, like the Americans, are fascinated with Europe. They want to travel Europe. So why don't you go get young, hungry referees that are a great standard, especially for our competition over here. Why don't we get them and go, tell you what, do you want to come over here, get paid, referee, do everything you need to do, and then over winter, you're already in Europe, go see the world, go home for Christmas, come back, Bob's your uncle. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that with players, young players, over in Australia? You know, the fringe players that aren't quite getting it. Paul Mom- Paul Momirovsky is a great shout for this year. Um, he's out of contract at the Roosters. Roosters want to get rid of him. No one's really offered him a contract. Should be Super League clubs looking at him, really. And then going, come on, come travel, come over here. We'll pay you some money. Come play for us. And off you go. Go travel Europe. It's what we did with Tom Opacic at OKR. That's how they got him. Paid him more money, granted, than what he was offered. But that's why he came over. Came over here to get away from Australia, to get over to Europe and to go see the world. Why don't we utilise that in our selling points to Australia, to Australian referees? Young referees coming up that we can blood into our system that then can go over with a bit more experience. Or if they love it over here, they stay here, don't they? They meet a girl or they meet a lad because we've got good female referees over in Australia. You know, as well. And it's just, we can do so much more with the enticement of Europe. It's a massive pulling factor for our sport. And no one seems to, it's like the elephant in the room over here. It is, that's what it is. It's the elephant in the room. And yet, we just seem to ignore it every single time. And it genuinely annoys me. Like, when it comes to recruitment, their minimum salary cap now is $150,000. I think it's about £90,000. If you offer a fringe player near that amount and go, come over to, you know, come over to England, spend a couple of years here, show them the examples of Jackson Hastings, the Jamie Lyons, I know he was on more money, the Jackson Hastings, the Brody Crofts, the um, you know the the even Comrade Hurrells of the world, the 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 players that come over and enjoy it and go round Europe after the season's over, go see the world, the Lachlan Coots of the world that you know his career was finished over there, came over here and absolutely racked it up with saints not only in you know the form of money but in the form of playing credentials and honors and everything it was it's what we should be doing for all them types of players the players coming over here with young families going look give them a taste of the other side of the world you know it's going to be an experience that they'll never forget And I think we don't use that enough for referees at all because we could easily have like the Ashley Kleins of the world. Those that are younger that may listen to this don't know that Ashley Klein actually was a Super League referee and then got offered a contract in the NRL. It's like we could do that, but we don't seem to be. And we need to... 
we need to offer that to them in a form of a business plan go over even emailing the you know the queens and refs association the new south wales ref association go in look any of you lads good lads want to go go come over to europe earn some money go travel it why not it's just simple stuff and it really bothers me because without referees we have no sport and we've got a shortage there's a lot coming through the ranks but I don't know I don't know it it just seems to be constant bickering and moaning about every little decision every little rule oh don't even get me started on that I'll, I'll save that for the the next podcast on about rules and six agains and stuff like that because it genuinely annoys me video refs especially you know we need every game televised because we need a video ref at every single game you can't have a video ref at every single game but we don't have enough refs so this is another thing that holds us back so it, it's simple go over to australia with a business plan or email it them and get some over here because you will have loads wanting to do it i can guarantee that because there's nothing that Australians love more than travelling. Anyway, that's the end of episode 6 of the Ramblings of a Saint podcast. I've been your host, Johnny Lou. And it's good to be back. It's good to be back rambling on to you guys. Um, and yeah, hope you've enjoyed it. And speak soon. <laughs>